Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff sitting here in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with my sidekick, wingman Tom Dorian. Hey, Deacon Jeff. Man, uh, you look uh, you look excited because we I got am a, excited. We got another great show. We really coming. do. This is one of those ones that kind of like just fell in our lap, isn't it? It is, and it's a treat. Yeah, it's always a treat. We we have actually have a guest from down under. Have you ever been down under? I have not been down under. Now, I'm not talking about Mississippi because yeah, that's, that's not down under. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I'm talking about there's Australia. A joke there, I'm not going to go there. Yeah, that's all right. Don't worry about that. Yeah. But but uh, we have Bruce Downs with us, and he's known in Australia as the Catholic guy. That's a neat title. Yeah, it is a neat title. It's and, almost uh, as good as Deacon Jeff. Well, he, no, yeah, not quite that good. But but uh, but but let's give him everything he deserves. Absolutely. Bruce Downs, welcome to the Catholic Cafe. We're so happy to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I'm just uh, tremendously grateful. It's uh, good to be in the, here and to meet you guys and uh, to be part of this. Okay, wonderful. So, uh, what's really exciting is I. I think maybe a lot of folks at home may not, who are listening right now, may not know exactly who the Catholic guy is, uh, and what what you're all about, Bruce. So you're you're from Australia, yeah. Uh, you call that home. Yep. Obviously, I can tell from the accent. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't have an accent. You guys do. You're, anyway. you're, <laughs> you're exactly right. And uh, but I will say that uh, uh, in Australia, things are maybe you, you've got. I believe the Catholic Church is there as well. Yes, you're the Catholic guy. That's right. Uh, and uh, and a lot of things are going on there in um, Australia that maybe uh, it's just, it's interesting because you started sharing with us when we were just talking and what made us think we need to have a show uh, about this is that you started talking about some trends and and uh, some statistics and data that are happening in Australia that that you know look like America is heading in that same direction, which is not. A happy direction. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a sobering uh, kind of thing. What's going on in Australia in the church these days? Yeah, well, I think you are heading in the right uh, in the same direction. If you look at all the surveys done in Australia over the last every five years, they for four or five years they survey the church attendance across the country in the Catholic world. Every survey is showing that there's a drop and a drop and a drop in church attendance. And, and that's actually picked up pace in recent times. Mm. And if you look among young people, uh, young people in particular, there, is a, there are many of them, almost in many places, where you almost don't find any young people in churches at all. Some surveys put it as low as 2% of young people at the age of 21 still going to Mass. Some people put it at 5, at 5%. Whatever it is, it's extremely that's low. That's low, 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 low. Absolutely. Low. Yeah. And so that, that trend is also uh, it's, it's tending to be that way in the United States, which I, I guess a lot of people might think, well, you know, I, I kind of knew it was kind of bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. Now, I know we, we don't have those same numbers, but we're going in that direction, right? I remember years ago when I was a much younger man, 25 years ago, when church attendance was kind of 25 26%, roughly what it is here. And I remember at the time someone saying, listen, look at what's happening, and everybody goes, oh, no, we're all right, we're all right, right. we're all right. And it creeps up on you, and then one day you look and you realize that Younger people are gone, young families are gone mm. in significant numbers, that there's a real separation between where people are in their faith and, and daily life. And it all of a sudden you wake up and go, whoa. And, and, and I think we've seen that in a number of European countries as well. And there were many of us in Australia who were asking the question, are we going to do anything? And you don't do anything. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you go. 
And I do believe, from having been here in the United States 40 or more times over many years, you definitely are heading in that same direction. Right. Maybe differently, but, but you're heading in that All direction. All the indicators are, are pointing towards uh, young people not wanting to go to Mass, mm. which leads families away. Because the, the families are the heart of the parish, and if you don't yeah. have the families... You don't have the parish. I mean, you, yeah. it, 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 all the little ones. And so it's, you know, but that that leads us to the age-old discussion, right? You, you've got uh, people in the church who have all these ideas, say, well, if we, if we start teaching people more, uh, we're, we need to do a better job in schools and teaching the faith, and we need to, they under, need to understand the doctrines and the dogmas, and they've got to memorize the creeds, and they've got to know these certain prayers and those certain prayers and understand these gestures uh, and these theological terms. And if we do that, then that's suddenly going to make church more viable and 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 all these young people are going to say gee i want more of that right uh, there are people that think that and i i just i keep thinking it's not that's not the answer because it's not worked for 40 or 50 years mm-hmm. it's the thing that they say in australia the most listen because because just over 50 percent of catholic young people go to a catholic school the, the catholic schools are subsidized by the government in australia which makes They're, them not to totally truly 100 percent catholic right i mean there's well, a little yeah there, there's certain rules that they've got to apply to but they're certainly catholic in terms of their ethos and teaching and, and stuff like okay. that but there's a lot of people who would say then the reason the reason people are leaving the faith is because the catholic school's not doing its job right in 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 australia if you went back some years ago there was the religious orders the priests the brothers the nuns who were running catholic schools well as those vocations have dropped off and now it's lay people uh, back in the day when the priests, the brothers and nuns did it, when, when you were trying to communicate faith, you sent your child to the Catholic school right. and, and, and those priests, brothers, nuns communicated faith. Well, today, Catholic schools in our country, to a large degree, see themselves to be insti- uh, educational institutions. Mm-hmm. And so there's a psycho- psyche in the country of, well, you send your kid to the school, they will share faith with them. Well, the schools aren't doing that. Now they're educating who you are. And so... It's come back to uh, parents to be the first educators of the children, which is what they what we say in baptism. Right. But the reality is, they feel eminently unqualified to communicate that faith to their children, and so the majority of both adults and of young people, they're not choosing to leave the church. They're not angry at the church. The the issue is, is that in a sense we call it they've just fallen out. It's just ceased to be relevant to their daily life. There's a, there's a disconnect between that faith and, and how it applies to their daily life. That's right, yes. Yeah, so here, again, the age-old problem is how, how, do, you, how do you address that? So you, you've got this ministry called The Catholic Guy. Yeah. And now where did that come from? What, is it because well, I, you're, uh, the Catholic, you're the one Catholic guy? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, started, uh, I, started giving, I started wrestling with this question of how do we reach people right. who don't go to church? I come from a family of five boys. I saw it in my brothers. I went to a Catholic school, an all-boys Catholic school. I saw it in them, and it kind of fascinated me, these wonderful fellas. Uh, and uh, and so, so I kind of got interested in that area and over a long period of time got more and more involved. Then that actually turned into me from time to time being invited to speak in other Christian churches. And I've mm. kind of got a rule. I'm happy to come to your church. I don't care if you tell them my name, but you've got to introduce me as a Catholic because that's who I am. I'm actually more Catholic than I am Bruce, if that makes sense, because right. it's really our identity. Yeah. And, uh, and so inevitably I meet people in airports and shopping centers and others, and they go, are you that Catholic guy? <laughs> and, and when the lawyers, the church lawyers, got together to name the television program, which ultimately started, uh, they called it, let's just call it the Catholic guy. And uh, It stuck. You know, 
it stuck. It I, stuck. I actually thought it was going to start uh, last for two weeks, and it lasted for you know years now, nearly twenty years. So, right. so it's uh, big time in Australia. But then, but you've 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 reached beyond Australia, obviously, and, and this ministry has gone to s- several different countries around the world. And you're getting ready to do a lot of stuff uh, in the United States as well, which is which is exciting. We'll talk about that later, but. Talk about the mission. What, what is the mission of, of the Catholic guy? Oh, I think it's very simple. It, it's how do we communicate the unchanged message of the, of, of the gospel as Catholics? How do we communicate that to people who are these people who've fallen away? They're, they're, because they are our brothers and sisters. They are our sons and daughters. They are our husbands and our wives. They're not bad people. These are good people, but they're struggling in many cases to connect in significant numbers with the message of the church. So, so is that actually their problem, or is that in some sense our problem? Mm-hmm. Do we have to ask the question of how do we change the way we communicate the message of the gospel? Mm. And I think when you read Pope John Paul II, Pope Benedict, well, you consistently heard this underlying message of you can't change the message, but you do have to find new ways of saying it, of communicating it. And if you look at the life of Jesus and read the scriptures, when he talked to fishermen, he talked about fishing. When he talked to farmers, he talked about farming. He talked about everyday real things. And not everybody is is educated with theology degrees and studied doctrine. God's called them to be doctors and nurses and road workers and, and other things. I think we church workers, our job is to ask the question, how do we say it in a manner that they can hear? And when we don't, I often think sometimes it's it, it lacks love because what we're doing is we're sitting in the place of saying, well, this is what it is, and this is what I understand, and you have to understand this. Where they're not saying, I don't want to understand. They're just saying, I don't know how to even engage the conversation. Yeah, and that's the big thing. I I think to myself, you know, theology has never saved anybody. Yes. But you can't be saved without living a life theologically. In other words, you can't divorce yourself from the theology of life. Exactly. And we, But we see this and we think that if we're going to memorize things or if we're going to understand these, you know, and there were some powerful theologians in our church in, in history, uh, Aquinas and these and, and these fellows who, who, I guess it was their job to think these big mm. uh, and wrestle with these big terms and these big expressions and understandings and help us refine that. But to some degree, it has to filter down in a way that people can can u- actually use it in their life, mm. right? To carry it with them as to be one of the arrows in the quiver. Otherwise, it's meaningless. If I've, you know, if you're being attacked by, uh, you know, a, 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 someone who's getting ready to rob you, you can't just say, um, "I know the reasons why you shouldn't rob me," exactly. and and I know the laws, and you're violating those laws in these certain statutes. You're still going to get robbed, right? Because yeah. there's no practical uh, understanding of what's going on. Uh, Etc. But but a real knowledge of the faith, a living knowledge of the faith, is one that's not. It's it's theologically grounded, but it's not always expressed in theological terms that are confusing people. Mm. Well, I think it's got it's got to come to that question of how do we communicate the message of Jesus and encounter the person of Jesus, and exactly that we're called into this living relationship, and then rules and regulations make a big difference. I travel a lot, and and over the years I've met some pretty girls. But the point is, there's all these rules as a Catholic and as a Christian that says when you're married, there's certain rules that go around that. I don't find them restrictions. I actually find them today things that set me free. But if I didn't understand and didn't have this living relationship with my wife, Rosemary, who's the most gorgeous girl, I would maybe see those as restrictions as opposed to being ways that lead me into freedom. But if all you're doing is preaching the the, the restrictions without the relationship... 
it's it, it can be pretty dry. Exactly right. And imagine trying to drive across the country with no traffic laws. Yes, you'd never get there. But the, no but the laws themselves give us the freedom yep. to move about, right? To yep. be to move about in safety. And speaking of of laws and regulations, we got to take a break. Uh, we're going to do so when we get back. Uh, we'll talk more about uh, uh, Bruce Downs and the Catholic guy and uh, his ministry and and what's going on and and maybe how to talk to some of these unchurched people. Uh, we'll, we'll do that in a minute. Before we do that, I want to remind folks at home we've got a great website, thecatholiccafe.com. Also, I'd love to hear from you. Send me an email, deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. With that, we'll be right back. I'm Bess Drzemski, and this is another great moment in church history. How can someone so small and weak in the eyes of the world have such a tremendous impact on the spiritual lives of millions around the globe? St. Therese of Lisieux, better known as the Little Flower, was this small person. Born in France over a century ago, she has changed the spiritual landscape of the entire world. St. Therese believed that little things done with great love were more pleasing to God than the mightiest deeds. She wrote, Love proves itself by deeds, so how am I to show my love? Great deeds are forbidden me. The only way I can prove my love is by scattering little flowers. And these flowers are every little sacrifice, every glance and word, and the doing of the least action for love. The little flower grew up as the youngest of five living children. She was a sensitive child who felt things deeply. These deep feelings and her thoughtful attitude led her to a strong prayer life at a very young age. By her own account, she would find a quiet place and spend hours contemplating the love of the Heavenly Father. As Therese entered her teen years, her older sisters began to go into religious life. This led the little flower to seek entrance to the Carmelite Monastery at the tender age of 14. She was initially refused by the superiors of the order, but her persistence paid off by taking her appeal all the way to the Pope in Rome. The superiors of the order were impressed by her persistence and maturity and allowed her to enter the Carmelite order at the age of 15. The next nine years were spent in quiet contemplation and service inside the tiny convent in Lisieux. Toward the end of her time in the convent, she began to suffer from the effects of tuberculosis. Tuberculosis, a deadly infectious disease that attacks the lungs, leaves the sufferer with a chronic cough, fever, night sweats, and weight loss. St. Therese suffered seriously from this disease. She was reported to have said, I have reached the point of not being able to suffer anymore because all suffering is sweet to me. She accepted her affliction as a gift from God and saw it as a sign of his friendship with her. Little everyday things done in great love can lead us to a life of grace and deeper union with Christ. The little flower can show us the way. I'm Bess Trzymski, and this is another great moment in church history. Welcome back to the Catholic Cafe. Here's Deacon Jeff. And we're back in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe. We're sitting here 
Tom Dory and I are talking to Bruce Downs. He's the Catholic guy in Australia and soon to be the Catholic guy all over the world. Actually, he's already all over the world. He is. Big time. So that's kind of cool. So, Bruce, we were just talking about sort of the state of the church, and it's looking kind of dismal and dim. And I always hate to go to break when, when it was like, well, the numbers are down, and it's not looking good, and it's not going to really, nothing we can, so pretty much that's it. And then, you know, and people tune out and say, that's a depressing good show. Luck. <laughs> yeah. So tell us about... So your mission, like as the Catholic guy, what, what is it you guys are going to do? So you're you're talking about like maybe how the language might change. Yep. And 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 while I'll, I'll tend to agree that one hundred percent in your camp, and I think the style of our show and how we explain things is is a way that like just normal people can understand. Because I'm just like a normal guy, and mm-hmm. I run everything past, past Tom, and Tom's not the sharpest tool in the shed. You know, you can look Thank at Tom, and <laughs> yeah, you know, and so if, and if he gets it. I'm thinking most of my audience is going to get it, too. <laughs> Tom, I'm messing with you. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't do that. Tom's a good friend. You know you're within reach. Yes, I know. I know. I, sh- I should <laughs> be, be care- careful. I should We're be on careful. Air. But, but point taken that, uh, you know, understanding that, that language barrier that can be such a difficult thing. Maybe we should go back to, like, who, those, who these unchurched people are. You said they're not bad, but are they, are they people that they don't believe in God anymore? Or do they think they believe in God, but they're not 100% sure how to express that? Have they just been Catholic all their lives and they kind of just show up and they're in mass, but they're not really doing anything in their faith. And really when they need it, they don't really have that to fall back on. Who, who are the unchurched that we're talking about? To speak to your first point, I think we're living, we're spe- living at an amazing time in history where I think, yeah, the numbers might be down, but the opportunity and the wonderful people that are rising up all over the place to serve the church and to do amazing things, women and men, is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I think the unchurch for me, and all of the ones that I've met, and I've met so many of them, uh, they're wonderful people. They just didn't connect with the message. Right. They didn't sit down one day and go, I hate the Catholic Church. I don't believe in God. Because in the end of the day, they do believe in God. They just don't know how to speak or relate to God. For example, my brothers, me being the church geek in our family, if my brothers are going through difficult times, they will ring my mum and then they'll say to mum, mum, could you ring Bruce and ask Bruce to pray? <laughs> right? There, there's faith. There, but there isn't a way that they don't have an ac- they can't access the language or, right. or, it's, or, if, or the only kind of relationship they've been offered is, is the Eucharist, which is a particular form, the high point of our Catholic life, but a particular form of prayer. And, and, but sometimes that can appear somewhat distant or impersonal to a person who hasn't been introduced to the true meaning of it and encountered Christ in it. And so, so for, for the majority of people, they're busy with their everyday life. What am I studying? Who am I dating? How am I raising my kids? How am I managing my finances? You know, how am I just keeping my marriage together? Mm. And in the midst of all of that, they're their real life issues. And we need to ask the question, and the church does, has so much to say on it. How does Christ intersect with our ordinary, everyday life? I'm a business guy. God's put me on the planet to make money. That's a good thing. I'm busy working 60, 70 hours a week doing that and then managing my family. Where does God fit into, into the midst of that? And, 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 and clearly God does, but we have to speak a message that communicates that. And they go, oh, okay, so I can see him. Right, and that message really ultimately will lead to a relationship, right? Absolutely. Not just uh, abiding by certain laws and rules, Absolutely. as we talked about laws, uh, yeah. laws and rules. 
And do you see a challenge? Because aren't people used to saying, like, well, what do I have to do to be Catholic? What do I have to do to be active? Don't, what are the rules that I have to follow? And that's a, a kind of a turnoff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there was a Catholic priest that captured me. He, 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 he for weeks would say to me, do you want to know Jesus? You could have a relationship with Jesus. You could know Jesus as your friend. And for me, it was a moment where he stopped. And one night he challenged me and he said, today could be that day. Today you could ask God into your life and it would be not your parents' faith, right. not my faith, but it would be your faith. And then you would have to go and learn what that faith means. So it wouldn't be just a one-time decision. It's a, you would have to learn what that is. And, and I remember when as a teenager, I made that commitment to God. And then five years later, I was 18 years old. And, well, that commitment didn't work anymore because now I was 18. And then at 24, I got married. Well, that commitment I made previously didn't work because I had changed. Yeah. And, 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 I had, and, you, and it's, the, it's, it's continuing, continuing choosing. I married Rosemary, when, uh, as I say, when I was young. When I married her, she was still studying. You know, but now, 15 years later, I remember we got to a point in our relationship where one day she, uh, she started saying to me, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. And she'd always agreed to do the things that I'd pretty much wanted to do. And she just started pushing back. And I remember one day I said to her, I said, I'm not sure if I love you anymore because you're not the girl I walked down the aisle with. And, she, and, she, uh, and, and, and I learned what so many older people listening now already know and more mature people than I know is I had to go back and find her again, and then I had to fall in love again, and then I had to keep choosing. And a great relationship is a choice all the time Every as day. you change. When Absolutely. you get up, and then when you go to bed, and then Absolutely. when you get up, and when you go to bed, it never stops. Pope St. John Paul II talked about that we were always need to be in a continuing state of conversion. We were Absolutely. always converting ourselves to Christ, mm-hmm. right? To, to, to follow him and making that, because every day there's new, and just when you think you've got it figured out, mm-hmm. there's a new challenge, there's a new threat, there's a new mm-hmm. thing that's going to pull you away. The devil's, you know, wily in his ways, right? Yeah. And so there's just often these, these challenges. Now, at the same time, there's, there are people that will tell you, well, the answer is, uh, you know, they get, well, I guess they may get upset. I'll say it this way. They get upset when you don't say things right off the bat, like, you need to go to Mass, right? You, you, you need to follow these rules. You need to do these things uh, as the answer to, like, if someone's got a problem, they come and say, look, I'm, I'm struggling in my marriage, whatever. You need to go to Mass. You need to go to Mass. If you don't go to Mass, you're going to, you're, you know, in... And that ends up becoming a barrier because it's like, well, why is that going to help me? I'm not saying it doesn't help to go to Mass. But if you go to Mass because you were told to go to Mass and not because you're seeking a relationship with Jesus in that Mass, it's not going to do any good. Well, I agree with all of that. I mean, I think it's true. I think we do need to be going to Mass. At the end of our television program, every television program, I've said it hundreds of times, is, you know, if you can't go to church this week, uh, you, you just don't think you can go, and you'd know the reason for that. I want you to know the message of the gospel is that God is inviting us into a relationship with him. And the point is, is that unless we walk with people, very quickly, my, my oldest brother didn't go to church for 30 years. Mm. Uh, he left school, he left church. When was that was, your fault, by the way? I don't know if it was. <laughs> it way may, may well have been. He, uh, he didn't go to church for many years, left, left at school. He, he got divorced at the age of uh, 50. Um, and, uh, and I remember one day I was speaking in a place where I spoke every week and he came and he stood against the back wall and then he would leave before the talk was off and he did it for a number of weeks and I was talking to, the, to my archbishop and I said to my archbishop, I said, my brother's been coming, stands against the back wall and the archbishop said, that's good and then the archbishop said to me, whatever you do, don't tell him to go to mass and I remember at the time thinking, whoa, 
That uh, seems uh, counter-Catholic. Mm. Exactly. Well, anyway, it, some months went by, and my brother graduated to the back row. And again, I was talking to the archbishop, and I said, my brother's now sitting in the back row. And, and he said to me, he said, that's good, Bruce. And he said, uh, he said, but make sure you don't tell him to go to Mass. And I said, and I said with respect, Your Grace, aren't you meant to be telling me to tell him to go to Mass? And he said to me, he said, he said you know why, Bruce, I'm not saying that to you? He said, because if you're truly a Catholic, Bruce, in the end you'll get him, and you'll get him good. Yeah. Well, three years went by, and he kept coming every week. And he kept listening, and he began to pray in a Catholic way and everything. And then one day he said to me, what's this about Mass? And then he went to Lourdes in France, and he called me from Lourdes, and he said, not only is this the best spiritual thing I've ever done, this is the best thing I've ever done in my life. He came back, his marriage, by his first marriage, he went and sought an annulment. His wife, by a second marriage, became a Catholic. His son, by a second marriage, became a Catholic. And he went back, and he got his two older boys, who are now in their 20s, and he took them to church. He now serves in the diocese and in his parish. And the reason he's back in the church today is because the Archbishop knew something about spiritual journey. It's a journey. It's not just a, an, an obligation that we fall into. It's a journey that becomes something that we want, which is the definition of obligation. And if we, and if we walk that journey, we'll reach a lot more people. And, and in a sense, that's being loving as opposed to being self-centered, as in I just want this because I thoroughly believe this t- for me because I do believe that that's right. what we're meant to be doing. But the point is there are some people who need that love to walk with them. And when you look at the life of Jesus, he seemed to spend a lot of time with people who were not church attenders. Amen. And you know what? If you stop and look at the number of unchurched, you know, we're talking not we're not talking about just a few, a small percentage of the population. We're talking about large numbers and it's 77 percent of catholics in this country yeah. who don't go to mass on sunday according to american catholic statistics mm. so that's what the catholic guy is all about mm. is how to reach those people and i understand you've got some stuff brewing uh we might uh find you on television here yeah we're coming here and we're going to launch our television program here in the u.s it'll be on television every uh, it'll be on seven days a week with a whole goal of reaching people and television is it's recognized in many christian circles as the number one way to connect with right. a person it doesn't necessarily disciple them completely or etc but but if we can connect we can then connect those people with local ministries in local parishes local dioceses and around the country because there is great stuff in this country beautiful there's beautiful stuff in this country but but sometimes the jump from them being not going to being there is the key. Bruce Downs, thank you so much. The Catholic guy. We're so glad you uh, you found your way up north to come and be <laughs> with us. We thank you so much, Bruce. Let's ask Our Lady for her blessing on your ministry and ours. Amen. Hail Mary, full, full of, of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, God pray, pray for us sinners, now, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Catholic Cafe. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com where you can find out more information about The Catholic Cafe, listen online, download MP3s, or subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff.com at thecatholiccafe.com.
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association and is broadcast with ecclesial permission from the Most Reverend Martin D. Holly, Bishop of Memphis in Tennessee. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time. <laughs>